0: Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. I'm Jeff Wagner.
1: And I'm Hunter Ginn.
0: If we didn't scare you away with the one-hour, 23-minute disharmonic Orchestra show, we thank those who are left standing. We should also note this. We're really aware that any podcast on music cuts into your valuable music listening time. So we do really appreciate you taking time out of your listening to listen to us talk about listening. Uh, We'd like to first thank Colin Goldring of Nidrolog for giving us a warm thumbs up regarding episode three, and Benny Larson of Edge of Sanity and Panthemonium for doing the same regarding episode two. That's super humbling. Dan Sweno himself told me just this morning that he's going to listen to episode two while mowing the lawn because he, quote, always has to combine boring stuff with cool stuff since my workload in the studio is so bananas all the time, end quote. I hope he's not saying the podcast is boring and the lawn mowing is cool stuff. But yeah, Dan's cool and we're honored. Episode five of Radical Research focuses on deadly brain frying fusion. We're after the jugular tonight, per the MO of the bands and song snippets featured. These are 10 blasts of springtime joy before the scorch of summer, and here Hunter and I sit with axes in hand and murder on our mind. Let's get to it.
1: and gentlemen, I hope that you're not unfamiliar with Maha Vishnu Orchestra, but there's a tinge of ambivalence there. I hope that you maybe don't know them as well as we do and that you will have the joy of going out and um, discovering their visionary music. was a little clip from their first album, Intermounting Flame, super, super revolutionary record. Um, one of the crucibles of fusion one of um, one of our mutually favorite records, I would say, um, featuring some of the best players of the time, probably some of the best players ever. Billy Cobham, one of the, the greatest drummers ever to sit behind the kit. Mm-hmm. Jan Hammer, mm-hmm. uh, John McLaughlin. Um, anyway, first album. Layered.
0: I'm a big fan of the bassist.
1: Basically. I know. Yeah, yeah. Laird's amazing fantastic band they were actually my um introduction into fusion but oddly with the visions of emerald beyond um album recommended to me uh via modern drummer by steve smith of uh, journey's fame oh, yep. uh, who, who right. i don't know personally
0: um. <laughs> he recommended it to you through the ether yes
1: yes Indeed.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mahavishnu, I think, was my introduction. Maybe Return to Forever. I think those are probably the two that people step into first. Maybe. Um, yeah,
1: maybe Weather Report, but but you and I are like our, our sensibilities are a little more attuned to to Mahavishnu and Return to Forever.
0: For sure, uh, Mahavishnu to me is ground zero for fusion, and I think probably you look at them that way too. It's kind of like
1: maybe um, at least through lineage, um, I might say the Tony Williams emergency record is like the f- like first true kind of like, I mean, bitches brew,
0: bitches brew. I mean yeah, pe- but, yeah, people are going to be I mean, screaming Miles like, Davis if we don't say Miles Davis right now. So we sure. Will.
1: But like, but all these guys come, come from Miles Davis. Yep. Um And uh, Tony Williams emergency features um, John McLaughlin as well. And is is really like the first true fusion of like heavy, seething rock and 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 jazz improvisation. Um, and that was kind of perfected on this first Mahavishnu record, I think.
0: I would completely agree. I remember ha- feeling like my head was being ripped off in a whole new way after having, you know, of course, spent many years with metal and, and some, you know, pretty amazing and aggressive prog, I think at that point. Sure. So certainly it was already into King Crimson. But yeah, when I first heard Mahavishnu and, and I suppose Return to Forever and all the ones that came later, but those first two really... Kind of showed me music in a new way. I, I had no idea that they existed. I had no idea how heavy and blazing, and just merciless they could be. Sure. And of course, pretty much all the albums that we're going to play music from tonight, all these bands, they're not brain frying all the time the way you just heard from Mahavishnu. You know, they they have nuances, they have layers. But again, the point of this show tonight is just to play you just the most insane stuff that we could find from these albums and bands. Yeah.
1: And I mean, if you're a metal fan or you're a fan of heavy experimental rock um, I think what we're going to, and if you're, if you haven't, you know, forayed into fusion, I think what we play you tonight will pique your curiosity and and I hope encourage you to go out there and explore some music that you don't know. So what we are presenting here for you tonight, isn't necessarily some comprehensive um, overview of fusion. There are lots of kinds of fusion. In in fact, I would say um, that, you know, happening at the same time as Mahavishnu and Return to Forever, you had Herbie Hancock's Sextant group, um, the Wandishi group, and they were working with a fusion of jazz and funk. Um, You have these cosmic jazz records like Julian Priester's Love, Love, uh, Les McCann's um, Invitation to Openness, Benny Maupin's Jewel in the Lotus, a lot of these guys coming out of Miles' groups, coming out of contemporary groups. Um, but Jeff and I, um, I mean, though we appreciate all that, are interested in uh, this sort of more rock-based, more aggressive, more seething kind of fusion um, that really takes that incendiary quality that we love in metal and Prague and, um, and grafts it on to the, the, the virtuosity and the, the improvisation and the dexterity that you find in jazz music. And, and that's what we're going to play for you tonight.
0: And I think, um, you know, that brings me to one point and then we'll get to the music and we'll just start blazing through it. But one, one kind of interesting point I wanted to raise, and I had just thought about this as we were putting the show together was, um, back in the days when I used to, you know, date women, um, I'm, mar- <laughs> I'm married now, but, um, I, I went on a date, I went on a date with this girl and, we were, you know, just getting to know each other through conversation. And and she said something like, oh, you know, I just really like to go to blues festivals. I like to go to folk festivals and, you know, I like to go to jazz clubs. And I was like thinking, God, the music I listen to and have to tell her about is all bastardizations of that stuff. Like this, I don't really like the pure stuff it seems. And I, maybe that's just part of being a child of, you know, grew up in the seventies, got into the stuff in the late seventies and eighties. And it was, it was starting to fragment at that point. But I think a lot of what you and I like Hunter is, bastardizations of blues or jazz or rock or folk yeah metal is a bastardization of rock Prague's is a bastardization of rock and jazz and classical right
1: well yeah i, I like i call it like a source material problem because i mm. remember robert fripp talking about how he was deeply influenced by like delta blues and also the bartok string quartets and i'm really like when i have time to listen to music i'm probably not going to listen to robert johnson and i'm probably not going to listen to bartok Right. But I'm going to gladly listen to Robert Fripp. <laughs> so, yeah, I would agree. I actually thought about like the playlist that, um, that you and I submitted today on the Facebook page. And um, I'd been listening to John Spencer blues explosions. Now I got worried. Yep. And, like, so ostensibly, yeah, they're like a blues influence band, but they're as much a punk rock band and they obviously listen to hip hop based on the editing. And it's like, you know, I don't really like straight blues and it's rare that I find a straight up punk rock record that I like. Like I love that record. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I'm, I'm more into mutations than I am into purity.
0: Mutations and hybrids. So let's carry on. Um, this second song is a tune called puppet of the seasons. It's drummer is a man by the name of Horsey Arnold. He's the drummer of this combo, not a super well-known drummer, but, Man, Tales of the Exonerated Flea is a killer fusion album. And I think he only has one other solo album. Am I right, Hunter? He,
1: he does only have one other solo record.
0: Yeah, and Tales and of the Exonerated Flea features Mahavishnu Orchestra members Jan Hammer on keyboards and Rick Laird on bass, uh, amongst the, some other really remarkable people. This is the first song on the album. And after its first 40 seconds is when we kind of come into it. It generates a completely hypnotic pulsing intensity. And here we go. Horace C. Arnold, Puppet of the Seasons. yeah shit hot baby oh yeah hot, baby. i
1: remember exactly where i was the first time that um that i played this for you. Mm. we were driving up to blacksburg mm. and um like i remember it's kind of starting off and you were like man i don't like a lot of flute <laughs> and then the shit kicked in and you were like oh hell <laughs> i'll
0: take a lot of flute."
1: even like the, the flute is slaying
0: yeah th- there's a lot of flute on this album and and i, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I like flute, but I think I like it in sort of measured doses where it comes in and attacks and does its thing and then leaves. I, you know, like there's that band, Gotique from Spain that you and I kind of yeah, yeah. dabbled in. But just, I mean, flute as the lead instrument doesn't yeah, work no. for me because I'm always a guitar playing lead. But yeah, I mean, the flute, flute is great all over the Horace Arnold album and on that track. But, yeah, <laughs> that's a funny memory. I suppose we were probably driving up to get beer and French fry pita, huh? That's it. Yeah, all right. Staying on the jazz side of things until we really blast off into heavier climates, this song from Return to Forever is a total burner.
1: Uh, yeah, this one's called uh, Captain Senor Mouse. It's off their first album, which uh, I don't know if you'd agree with me. Maybe you would. This is their best album, in my opinion. I, I but- think it
0: is. My my introduction to them was probably everybody's introduction to them, which was Romantic Warrior.
1: Sure great album yeah the the great Al Demiola fantastic Um, album but yeah this album's got a more desperate just hungrier burning kind of vibe that that I just absolutely love (laughs) I mean, look, Demiola is a master of the instrument, but to me, like Bill Connor's playing on this, it's just has so much hunger and so much ambition.
0: Yeah, um, this album's a little rawer than Romantic Warrior, I suppose. It uh, is.
1: Oh, no, no, it absolutely is. I mean, you in in every regard, like production-wise, playing-wise, but yeah. just the chemistry between those guys and you know, Stanley Clark and Lenny White. I mean, tough to beat.
0: High level, high level. Now, yep. here we here we go. <laughs> Because if Mahavishnu Orchestra is ground zero for this stuff, early Utopia, particularly the Icon, is Armageddon. Todd Rundgren was clearly plotting this album on his two 1973 and 1974 solo albums. Uh, the first one was called uh, Wizard, A True Star, and the second one is just simply called Todd. Uh, a lot of weird stuff on that on those albums. Um, some great some, stuff on those albums, too. Yeah, and some sure. some really slaying guitar work. That guy is just killer on guitar when he just lets rip Uh, and then they really blasted off at the first utopia album Uh, this is a bit from the 30 minute song the icon we catch them kind of mid-jam it's a 30 minute song Uh, and while there are peaks and valleys and moments of respite throughout the song its greatest feature for sure i'm sure you agree is the exhausting sort of utterly bonkers high intensity madness
1: yeah i mean and let me say this if you are intimidated by the notion of a 30 minute song you really need to hear the icon yep. because it, it's like it's as it's cohesive as a four-minute pop song in the hands of most people.
0: And this is one that I've loved to play for people who are unfamiliar with this album or you only played know it pop for me Rundgren. when
1: I was unfamiliar with the album. Yeah,
0: or only, only only know Todd Rundgren through some of his production stuff or his more pop-oriented solo stuff, or even the later Utopia stuff, which was really not a whole lot like this. I've seen people's like brains melting out of their ears when I, when I, <laughs> when I play them the icon, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. So here it is. This is a bit of the icon. Strap yourselves in. can we say
1: <laughs> uh, very little that that didn't say for us
0: let's move on uh, Please. <laughs> by the way no let's not move on let me say one more thing about the utopia album that has one of the best album covers
1: oh man i, I love hey, that it, thing. folks it's easy to find get it on vinyl
0: amen so nothing can really follow that but this next band are pretty badass still i love brand x uh for me it kind of represents one big bonus beyond the music itself. And they kind of provide this alternative to the guy in me who wants to love weather report. but can't toy into them. Yeah, I don't know. How familiar are you with brand X? That's one, that's probably the only band on this list that you and I haven't talked about extensively in the past.
1: I'm fairly familiar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got into, um, I guess kind of as, um, an effect of getting heavily into Genesis at one point.
0: Right. This this man is probably best known for having a drummer yeah, named Collins. Bill Collins, who yeah. is a complete badass. He was also doing amazing things with Genesis during Brand X's reign from 75 to 82. So he was he was really prolific. He was also on some Brian Eno albums and just, you know, being great. Some other guys in Brand X, really remarkable musicians, um, also alums of like Bill Bruford's solo band, Soft Machine, uh, and Dave. if you
1: don't know the first couple of Bill Bruford solo records, you really should.
0: Yeah. If we do a part two of decapitations, we will yeah. be playing some Bruford, uh, David Sylvian solo material, a couple of, the, I think one or two guys from brand X yep. on some of that lots and lots of other stuff. Um,
1: and they're still going.
0: They are. Yeah. And
1: They have I, a really great drummer now. Um, guy named Kenny Grahofsky, who mm-hmm. plays with secret chiefs three and, uh, an experimental, um, black metal band from New York called Imperial triumphant.
0: Good gig. And he's in brand X.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's a great drummer. Um, Love that. Yeah, super young guy, but obviously um, like us, uh, a big admirer of their, their great work. So,
0: yeah. Um, we, and we I all, do, yeah, we all know guy. Phil's an amazing drummer. I really wanted to play something by brand X that featured Phil Collins, but this, but, <laughs> I was, but, but I, I listened bye, bye, bye. to, yeah, I listened to do the, do they hurt album um, while kind of surveying some songs for this show. And The song we're going to play, DMZ, just really stuck out to me, and it features the equally formidable drummer Mike Clark on drums. I know you admire that guy quite a bit.
1: Big fan, big fan. Yeah. Came to him through his work on um, a couple of Herbie Hancock records, particularly Thrust. Um, Just a fantastic, funky fusion player. Um, Anyway,
0: yeah, and he's keeping his company. Yeah, some of the insane bass work by Percy Jones on this track is great. I love that guy. One of my favorite bassists in the whole fusion nice. world. Fantastic. Great guitar stuff by John Goodsall. Uh, this is from their 1980 album, Do They Hurt, which is produced, incidentally, by the one and only Neil Kernan. <laughs> who, <laughs> Neil of Kernan, course,
1: by the way, is a fantastic fusion producer. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, really. I mean, yeah. he, he did, I mean, come on, man, Rage for Order, too, you know?
0: Rage for Order, Spiral I mean, Architect, it's Spir- it's
1: Architect it's Spir- Spiral Architect, too. fusion-y. Well, and I think that we know that Neil Kernan likes bass playing.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, this is DMZ by Brand X from their Do They Hurt album from 1980. Yeah. Yeah. I hope all this is becoming a blur. We're going to, we're going to keep going. Um, <laughs> Coliseum Two, This band from England, um, I just kind of stumbled on them in my Prague delvings uh, probably 15, 16 years ago. I got a hold of their first album, Strange yeah. New Flesh had a really cool 16 cover. 16 years ago. Yeah. Had a really
1: going bonkers for Prague.
0: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I have been into it before, but I think I, I kind of leaped out from just, you know, the...
1: No, I remember our yeah, trip to New Orleans and playing me a lot of stuff that I didn't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this was one of those bands I found and they, were, they definitely lean on the fusion side, but they were clearly uh, a lot more composed in terms of their songwriting than a lot of fusion bands and certainly kind of heavier and more rock. And there's a couple explanations for that. Um, Their first bassist was Neil Murray, who later went on to be in Whitesnake and 80s era Black Sabbath. He left replaced by a guy named John Mole. But throughout Coliseum 2's three albums, um, we had Don Airy on keyboards, who of course went on to be in Ozzy Osbourne's solo band and Deep Purple. And then the great Gary Moore, who of course is known for his solo work and and Lizzie. Lizzie, man. Yeah, Thin Lizzy. Both slaying in Coliseum 2. Oh, when I first picked up these records, I could not believe it. And there was this unknown to me at the time.
1: Uh, dude, d- I, as a drummer.
0: Yeah. I had John no he- idea
1: who John Heisman was. I didn't know who John Heisman Never was either.
0: And I was like, who is this guy? Because like… The guy oh, is man. unreal. Yeah, this guy this guy's amazing. And I think really underrated. Total monster. He's the only carryover from the original Coliseum who I've checked out and they kind of lean a little too, I guess, bluesy for me. Right. But yeah, this this is a song from their War Dance album, and it's a song called War Dance, and here you go. Just check it out. Yeah, Gary Moore, Don Airy.
1: You know those moments where like you listen to something and you have no other response but to laugh?
0: Yes. Yeah. That's
1: how I just felt.
0: Yeah, we we <laughs> talked about that in terms of like just absurd death metal like early cataclysm. Where right. it's just so over the top and awesome that that you're almost so frightening yeah,
1: you're at a, at a loss for expression
0: yeah there's like an alarming <laughs> kind of like uh reaction and laughing it just is kind of just do it involuntarily yeah. uh, that's that's one of those right because gary no, is killing after a a solo. That's band, killing. Man. yeah you got john heisman r- rocking underneath really great stuff i would encourage anybody to go out and get war dance and electric savage
1: oh man yeah,
0: Th- those are great. They don't, they don't have great album covers, but you will be much better for it in terms of the music.
1: Yeah. So, um, next up on the agenda is happy. The man oddly, uh, mostly instrumental prog fusion art rock band from, uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. the lovely Shenandoah Valley. Uh, we're going to play your record from, uh, their self-titled debut, Again, a pretty easy record to find. It was released on a major label. They printed a lot of them. Yeah, you see and it. You
0: see it a lot and you use you do. It's Crazy.
1: You do. yeah. No, it's it's pretty heavily circulated, but just a fantastic band, five piece, right? Yep. Yeah, just everybody firing on all cylinders on this record.
0: Yeah, um, it's really great. Um, it's got some great artwork too. And I want to I want to mention a couple song titles that. We're not going to play these songs, but I, we have to mention them because I think it's becoming apparent around here that we at Radical Research Headquarters really like weird-ass song titles, huh. as proven by the Disharmonic Orchestra Show, yes, episode four. Some of their song titles are great on this Happy the Man record, first one being Stumpy Meets the Firecracker in Stencil Forest, <laughs> and, of course, Knee-Bitten Nymphs in Limbo. Uh, the one we're going to play for you is called New York Dream Suite but and nonetheless it, again,
1: these guys lean more on the compositional side of, of the fusion spectrum.
0: Yes. Yeah. And this one's, this one's uh, New York dream suite from the self-titled debut by happy the man. I'm going to have to go to urgent care after this show, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, one thing about happy, the man is, and I would love to get guidance on this from someone who knows, maybe someone who knows about their band name. It Mm. could either be a reference to Goethe or it could be a reference to the Bible. And if anyone out there who's listening knows, get in touch with us.
0: I don't know what it is, but Genesis also had that non album single back in the sort of nursery crime era called, um, Happy the Man.
1: Right. Yeah, and yeah, no, no. And apparently... It's um, not that. It's not because they didn't even know that when they formed the band.
0: Exactly. It's not a very well-known single by Genesis. It came out somewhere around Nursery Crime and Foxtrot. But yeah, they, they've said on record that they didn't know about that. So yeah, that just leaves the other two options. So I, I don't really know.
1: Yeah. The, the, the Goethe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here because I'm not going to butcher it, but the Goethe um, line is something like, Happy is the man who early in his life realizes or accepts the gulf between his abilities and his wishes. Hmm. Something like that, which is actually like a synopsis of the first Disharmonic Orchestra record.
0: <laughs> Excellent.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I see what you did there. Brought it back.
1: I, that was unintentional, I man. That, that was that was me being fusion and improving.
0: That was great. So, man. I'm impressed.
1: Anyway, Seguing nicely into our next featured artist, Finch. Yep. Not to be confused with the emo band from America, this is a Dutch band from um, early to mid '70s. They were instrumental. Another little nugget that Jeff turned me onto in his um, his his prog ex, early prog explorations. This is um, a song from their second album. Um, this, the song itself is called A Passion Condensed. Jeff, I don't know about you, and I don't know if I'm off base here. I've always heard a little bit of early Yes in this band, right?
0: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I think and I think Yes were one of the, the major influences from like, that. Yeah, thing. like
1: the, the Yes album? Yes. Kind of yeah. nimble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and they're really a great balanced example of like the jazz and prog rock collision too. Sure, they, they, absolutely. They didn't, they didn't go too far into one or the other. Certainly brought them both into their sound, and I don't know if they're even true fusion. I'm not. They're probably like the least textbook definition fusion type band in the survey tonight. But you know,
1: Uh, yeah, I've always considered them to be a prog band. But they're they're great, and and
0: they jam, and they fit. I think you'll you'll hear how they fit within all of this stuff. Sure. Um, But yeah, this is, and this uh, this song is called "Passion Condensed," as Hunter mentioned, and and we certainly did condense this passion from its original (laughs) twenty. This thing is 20 minutes long. Here's a two minute distillation of some of the best ever Finch jams. Yeah, it, we're asking listeners to absorb a lot of notes tonight.
1: <laughs> this is probably the most notes per capita in any radical research episode.
0: <laughs> Not for the faint of heart.
1: No, indeed.
0: Yeah, Finch is great. So, what? Let's take a little side trip here just for a second. What? What's the antithesis to this fusion type stuff we've been sampling? Funeral Doom, with the minimal, you know, because Funeral <laughs> Doom is so minimal, right? The fewest notes for the deepest impact. And we've got this stuff we're listening to on this show. Yeah. Um, notes for the most impact. You know, there are no ratio between fusion and funeral doom. It's just astronomically wide. Indeed. Right.
1: Yeah. um, And as far as stuff that like I'm into, I would say some like dark ambient stuff like uh, mm-hmm. lust more.
0: No um, beats, no notes.
1: No, no, yeah. No beats, no notes, son. <laughs> right. Right.
0: <laughs> right. It's like Seinfeld, no lessons, no hugs. That was, uh, <laughs> that was Larry David's sort of modus operandi. there. So ninth, song of the 10 we get to area and both hunter and i have a crazy love for italian prog rock and i have to thank ken golden at laser's edge and just and,
1: the, and let me say this i actually thought that i knew something about italian prog <laughs> and then i went to ken golden's house for the first time <laughs> and he had like a stack of vinyl on the floor and it was like 20 italian prog bands that i'd never heard of
0: yeah yeah he's got he's got like three different copies of the RRR album like
1: right, right, yeah, yeah i mean i got three yeah, I got
0: through one, one of them sealed, you know.
1: <laughs> and I, uh, I assume that you and I will do a survey of the Italian Prague right. landscape at some point, right? Oh,
0: yeah. Well, there, there's going to be a lot of talk about all the various Italian Prague bands at some point on this show. Area fits into this show because they're really nothing like the more symphonic, classical approach of the bulk of their countrymen, I think. Uh, they're not even much like the darker ones, some of our favorites, such as Semi or Il Boleto de Bronzo. No. By the way, Il Boleto de Bronzo's East album. Go out and get it. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And if you don't immediately, have it, yeah, you're 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 sadly missing out. You're, you're um,
1: welcome too. But back,
0: yeah, for sure. But back to area, man. These guys are totally different than the usual Italian prog. They're intense and dense and strange and exotic. And the vocals are certainly love hate. I love the first four <laughs> albums by them. They are. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is from their first album, "Arbeit macht frei," German title, and who knows why they're Italian but as you'll as you'll hear they're they're nothing like anything you've probably ever heard <laughs> Ripping you a brand new asshole, Area. Jeez. From Italy. A R E A.
1: I've heard that passage plenty of times and it never kind of ceases to surprise me.
0: Yeah, that's 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 some really exciting music. I and and, and I never get tired of the area albums, the the four. No I have. They're just so interesting. And I always well, think- I get
1: that because they cross so many borders. Yeah. You know, it's like you're into fusion or you're into rock and opposition or you're mm-hmm. into Prague. I mean, they scratch a lot of different itches.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, that brings us to our final song for the evening, King Crimson. This band fits here, but they kind of don't. They kind of fit into the prog world, but they kind of don't. They're kind of a metal band, but they're kind of not. King Crimson is just King Crimson. And I think it's probably fair to say they're collectively Radical Research's favorite band.
1: Like, honestly, if I had to say, if I had to pick a favorite band probably King Crimson and yeah. like it's just because no other band has made so like many great albums over so many different styles of music over such a long period of time
0: and retained a thread of being King Crimson like absolutely no, no, no. Really there's like there's a
1: whatever. yeah
0: it's King there's Crimson a away. genetic
1: link to all the different eras
0: mm-hmm and they were also so good live they still are i mean they've always been good live it's this is one of the few bands where i sort of collect and listen to a lot of the live shows right right, right. just devastating when when they when they lock in they're so good and they're always so exciting and this is also one of the few bands that does a lot of improvs live where i enjoy improv i tend to not really care too much
1: this this era in particular
0: yeah, we're gonna play you a song from the Robert Fripp, John Wetton, Bill Bruford, David Cross era. This was uh, late '72 to late '74. Yeah, '73. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, they released three albums together. Really capable of the most devastating improvs and improved versions of album songs when they would play live. Just this this combo was dialed in on a whole other cosmic level. So. The improv we're going to play for you is from late 1973, kind of the sweet spot for this lineup. Doesn't feature actually any killing guitar from Robert Fripp. We'll have to wait on that. He's doing a lot of heavy-handed mellotron on this. You hear David Cross wailing away on the violin and that extremely formidable rhythm section that backs him up. Bill Bruford and John Wendt.
1: That immediately recognizable snare drum sound.
0: Yeah. And they got
1: blood, be, uh, wetting on this, man.
0: And wetting the bloodthirsty fat base. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we'll be hearing a lot more from Fripp and Crimson over the life of radical research. So, this is just kind of the first warning shot. This is from late 1973 The Law of Maximum Distress, Part One. All right, if you're not hyperventilated to death yet, uh, thanks for going deep into some heart attack fusion with us. Uh, As always, thanks so much for listening. Please give us a rating and review on iTunes if you like us, and please get in touch with any questions or comments. We're best reached at radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com.
1: So for episode six, and we hope you'll be tuning in, um, we are going to discuss the body of work from Milwaukee's DeKreutzen. Uh, They made four super fascinating records. Even more fascinating is their morphology across those four records. They are sort of unintended visionaries. um, But I hope that uh, over the course of our next episode, um, you will see how important they've been to music, even if you don't know who they are. Jeff has a deep relationship to this band as I do. Jeff's relationship is maybe even a little deeper and a little more personal. Uh, but anyway, we, um, we look forward to sharing our enthusiasm for their work. So until then.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to dive into the decroits and stuff. Uh, don't miss it, everybody, and stay strange, you weirdos.